And we'll see that more and more. And Paul the Apostle understood that. And for the next seven weeks, we'll be studying out of Ephesians chapter 6. So I want you just to kind of meditate on those and let those passages of Scripture really, here's a word for you, ruminate in your spirit. Uh, because uh, as we'll look tonight, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul thought this a really important topic to finish his letter to the Ephesians with. Uh, so there is a spiritual war going on. Now, the interesting thing is I'm not the only teacher. In fact, next week, Josh is going to be teaching. And then who's next? Uh, maybe Cade. Cade's going to teach a class. That's pretty exciting. Kobe's going to teach a class. Um, Trent's going to teach a class. Ryan's going to teach a class. Uh, and if I haven't got them all, uh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, and then I'll finish it out. So for the next seven weeks on Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to begin to really just, not just here, but throughout the week, really meditate, study, think, ponder, and apply what you are hearing on Wednesday night uh, about the armor of God. Uh, and so encourage you to do that. And then at the close of that, uh, we'll kick back up some small groups really excited about the topic. I don't know if anyone's read the book Radical uh, by David Platt. Is that his name? I think so. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to just, hey, get you could get a head start and get the book. I think they're pretty economical. We're going to supply some here and uh, for, for you to purchase later. But a great small group series uh, in about uh, eight weeks from today. So uh, that's where we're going on Wednesday night. A lot of good things happen. I'm excited about our teachers that are going to be teaching uh, this series, Dress for Success. So with that in mind, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, And everybody said amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, if you're not there already. Ephesians 6, we're going to jump in at verse 10. And I'm going to give you some foundation before we talk about a specific piece of the armor of God in just a moment. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the book Dress for Success. I haven't, as you can plainly see. Uh, you know, it's kind of the theory is, I think it's more than a theory. You, you are how you dress. And if you, especially if you're going on a job interview, there's certain things you want to, certain ways you want to dress. It's to impress. Uh, not in a negative way, but in a positive way to, to send a message. How many of you know the way people dress, they're sending a message, right? Okay. And so, uh, uh, it's just a principle. Uh, now, interesting thing. Let me ask you this. How many of you know, uh, any of the top five most common dreams people have? Aaron, do you know one? What? Flying, absolutely true. Falling, I think, is one. Yes, Josh? Naked in public. That's the one I'm looking for right there. Naked in public. Hey, it's a small group. There's no video. How many have ever had the naked in public dream? Okay, all right. You know, that's supposed to, supposedly, as I'm not, a, I'm not an interpreter of dreams, but people who supposedly are smarter than I say that may reflect insecurities in your life. Uh, you know, if you have that very common, you're always insecure. And, and uh, thankfully, I haven't had that dream lately. Now, after this class tonight, maybe so. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, it supposedly uh, reveals some level of insecurity in our life, especially if it's a recurring dream. So I don't know if that's true for you. Uh, but it's here's the application. Uh, 
if you are not spiritually dressed properly on a daily basis, you have every reason to feel very insecure. If you're not spiritually dressed for your day, when it comes to spiritual warfare, uh, you have every reason to be insecure because as we'll read here in a moment, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and then I'm just going to open the floor for a moment and ask you if you've had any real strong manifestations of spiritual warfare that you knew, oh my goodness, I'm in the middle of a battle of the ages. So I want you to think about that, and let's just talk for a moment. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We begin, dress for success, finding true victory over the powers of darkness. Paul the Apostle says, finally, my brethren, everybody say, that's me. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We're going to talk about that tonight in a few moments. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's what Josh is speaking about uh, next week. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which I think Kobe has the joyous honor of sharing about the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Man, you don't want to miss that one for sure. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with perseverance, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And he goes on to say, and for me, uh, and these, is, this is an added prayer request, and for me, pray that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And everybody said, Amen. Paul the Apostle said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. The spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Who here can say, you know, I, I know, I know the devil has had, you know, influence in our lives and attacked us in different ways, but how many of you have ever come face to face in your spiritual life with, you realize I'm in the middle of a spiritual battle. There is forces of darkness, uh, uh around me. Uh, and you just knew, mm, man, this is a battle. Anyone just care to share just any little quick insight, any thought about that? Uh, you kind of want to put that under the blood and move on? <laughs> Maybe so. But it's a spiritual battle, right? And so we've got to learn. And Paul the Apostle uh, is very clear in a number of his writings. Uh, and in fact, in I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, he said uh, 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 that we are to... Uh, uh, the devil comes and still builds up castles in our mind, and we we pull them down with the 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 weapons of our warfare. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
And so there's a spiritual battle. In fact, this struggle, uh, it, let's see what verse, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The word wrestle, it's a tug of war. It's a struggle. It's a back and forth. And all of us have experienced that. Uh, and sometimes we lose because we are not properly prepared. And if we are not dressed spiritually, uh, for the occasion, we have every reason to be insecure, uh, and, 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 and we, because we are undone. And so Paul the Apostle gave us the armor of God. Now, tonight I'm going to give you some uh, uh, preliminary precepts. In fact, I'm going to give you seven, and I want you to write them down if you can. Uh, they're just preliminary insight, if you will, uh, that Paul gives us before he begins to enumerate the different pieces of the armor of God. Now, a precept is a general rule intended uh, to regulate behavior or thought. So these things I'm going to share with you from the first few verses of this pa these passages that I read to you. They're precepts. They're general rules that are intended to regulate behavior or thought. In other words, uh, you apply them in their life. In fact, I'm going to call them rule. Rule number one, the first preliminary precept, rule of primary importance. The rule of primary importance. How many of you know there's some things in life that are just not as important as other things? And when you read Ephesians chapter, uh, oh gosh, when you read all through Ephesians, man, there is so much important things in this passage, of, in these, in this book. Uh, you know, if we had time, we, in fact, I'll just throw you, throw out a few, the first chapter. In fact, the first three chapters, he really tells us all about who we are in Christ and what we have available to us and how we have an inheritance in Christ and, and uh, that we have the power of God, uh, uh, you know, the, he said we, he prayed that we'd know the exceeding greatness of his power. And, oh, and then chapter 2 talks about he raised us up and by his grace we're saved through faith. That's important. All big things. And you just move through. Oh, and then chapter 5, you know, the family. And uh, uh, that's important for sure. And chapter 6, children obeying your parents. But he closes out this letter. To the church in Ephesus, which, by the way, had some real spiritual battles in their community or in their city. It was a, it was a spiritual, uh, mecca, if you will, kind of like Corinth. Uh, and so, uh, Paul closes out his letter to this church and says, finally, my brethren. In other words, hey, how many of you know some of the last things you say, uh, uh in a letter could be the most important things? I don't want you to forget this. In fact, uh, you know, in Paul's day, there was not email, text. This, in his mind, very possibly the last thing he would ever say to this church. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And he begins to talk about spiritual warfare. So the first precept is this. When it comes to spiritual warfare in the armor of God, it's the rule of primary importance. In other words, he's saying, let me tell you how important this is. This may be the last thing I ever say to you. You've got to understand this. It's a spiritual battle out there, and you've got to be ready. Finally, let me tell you, it's a, it's a battlefield, so you've got to be prepared. Amen? So get that down. Spiritual warfare, uh, it, it's not optional. It's a part of who we are. In fact, Paul the Apostle said we're, uh, he said we're soldiers, if you will. We're members, you know. 
There's songs, you know, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Uh, it's really true. We are a part of the army of God. In fact, one of the words, of, one of the uh, titles of Jesus, he's the captain of the Lord's host. That sounds military to me, does it not? And so there are supernatural uh, uh, powers at work. He called them principalities and powers, rulers and spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. So it's the rule of primary importance, spiritual, spiritual warfare. It's out there and we've got to be prepared. Number two, the second rule, the second uh, precept is the rule of supernatural outsourcing. Supernatural outsourcing. How many of you know what outsourcing is? You know what it is every time you call somebody, some company or something, you get somebody somewhere in India who can't speak a lot of English, uh, and they're saying, oh, hey, how, I can't even, you know, how can I help you? Uh, they don't know what they're talking about. I tried this with Citibank over a, over my, one of my mortgages on one of my properties, and I got somebody somewhere, I don't know where they were from, and they didn't have a clue and I couldn't hardly understand them. What had happened? They were outsourcing jobs to another country. It happens all the time. You see these, these huge office complexes. It's just filled with people that are taking phone calls from all over the world. They're outsourcing. Now, in other words, they're, they're tapping into other resources to assist them in the process of doing business. Here we are in, in reference to spiritual warfare. It's the rule of supernatural outsourcing. What's the first thing he says after he says, uh, finally, my brethren, he says, be strong where? It, come on, help me. Be strong where? In the Lord and in the what? Power of whose might? His might. Now, understand something about spiritual warfare. You can't, you, you cannot be victorious. You cannot be, uh, you cannot, uh, 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 you know, win the victory on any level if you are not consistently, systematically, daily tapping into and relying upon the, the supernatural power of Almighty God in your life. Reach out beyond yourself and realize, whoo, I can be strong in the Lord. How many of you know, if you try to be strong, if you try to face life struggles and especially the powers of darkness on your own, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get beat up. You're going to get, for the, the thief, John, Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And if you try to face him in your own power and in your own strength, you're going to be defeated every time. So the precept about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, it's the rule of supernatural outsourcing. You've got to always realize I'm leading on his strength. I'm tapping into his power. I'm standing in the authority of his name. And oh, there's a whole lot of things we could say there. So you gotta realize I've got to tap into, I've gotta live a life that is, that is, that is in the flow of God's supernatural power being, uh, uh, available to me and operating through me and, and a revelation of the authority of God in me because of who he is. Amen. So there's a whole lot there, but it's, you gotta understand. We tap into the supernatural power of Almighty God. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. Rule number three. It's the rule of proper positioning. How many of you know our position is so important when it comes to spiritual warfare? Now, I've always said this about the little word in, and I'm going to say it again because he said, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, in the Lord. 
That little word in means fixed position, immovable, steadfast, fixed. Used to be in the concrete business. Anybody ever poured concrete? Man, in the summertime, uh, it doesn't take long for it to get fixed. Even if you don't want it to be fixed. If you don't want it to be set up, it sets up. And that's kind of the picture of this world, of this word, the little word in. Be strong in, fixed, established, settled in the Lord. Now, this principle of positioning, here's the problem with most people when it comes to spiritual victory in their life. They can't get fixed. And I, I, I think I preached a series on this on some level. I said, if you get, if you get fixed, you'll be fixed. People try to fix things in the wrong way. You got to get fixed on Him. And when you get fixed on Him, a lot of other things in our life start getting fixed. It's really true about position. And I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll give a little, little illustration again. Here's what most people are battling with, their condition, right? Here's my condition. I got issues. I got, I got weaknesses. I got fleshly troubles. I got, uh, uh, thing, you know, devil beat me up. This is my condition, man. I'm, I'm, you know, what's the old song? I'm, I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. And I, and most of us, we have these conditions. We have these circumstances. We have these situations. Now, Understand something about your condition. You may not, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, you may not can change your condition. The only way you can begin to change your condition is get over into your position. And when you get into your position, I'm in Christ, it'll begin to change your condition. It's the principle of position. Being in Christ. When you study that phrase in the New Testament, there's hundreds of references. Hey, take a little journey. Start, start in the Gospels. Here's one. Abide where? In Christ. John 15. And many, many other places. Paul, in Christ, in, fixed in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. I'm in Christ. You know, most people say, well, I'm, I'm just always in the flesh. That, you know why you're always in the flesh? Because you're not in Christ. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a position. And you know what? How many of you know we're in charge of our physical position, right? We get up in the morning, we go to bed at night, we got our position, we know where we're going, we know how to get positioned when it comes to business, comes to school, comes to family, we get all our orchestrated and get our, get everything in proper position in its proper place, but our spiritual life is, is, is in disarray. In fact, could I tell you something? If we don't get in Christ, all our other stuff's always gonna end up being in disarray, but you get in Christ, things will start lining up in your behalf. It's the rule of proper positioning. And it's, a, it's, it's, it re, it's, the victory of Jesus Christ relies upon us being in our right place. If you're out of position, or if you're, what did David, we read this Sunday morning, what did David say in Psalm 91? Uh, when you get under the shadow of the Almighty, you can say, He is my refuge, and you can be victorious. You get out from under the shadow of the Almighty, out from other, under His wings, you're, hey, I used to say this, you're dog meat for the devil, man, because you're out of position, right? Okay, so it's a preliminary precept about spiritual warfare, the rule of supernatural outsourcing, the rule of proper positioning, 
And then number four, I've already hit on it in a lot of different ways. The rule of adversarial insight. How many of you know you got to know your, your enemies? In fact, the Bible says, know those who labor among you. If you, if you, if you know, if you need to know who those who are laboring among you, you really know, need to know what's going on in the spirit realm. And Paul's trying to open our eyes to the spiritual warfare going on and saying, listen, finally, brethren, you better tap into the strength of God for you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against these principalities and powers and spirit, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And so we got to know our enemy and know, know his devices. In fact, Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, we should not be ignorant of his devices. And did you know something about the devil? There's nothing new. As we'll close this, this session in a little bit, you'll realize, man, there's nothing new under the sun. He's got the same old tricks up his sleeve. And we understand that he's here. In fact, it, it says, uh, it talks about his devices or his, the wiles of the devil. You should, let's see, what does it say? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Everyone say wiles. That's the schemings. Everyone say schemings. Now that gives you insight to the devil. Did you know that just like Jesus, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always scheming to trap you and to undermine the purpose of God in your life. He's scheming right now. He's trying to develop a way to trip you up. And when you realize that, it ought to keep you on guard. Everyone say, on guard. How many of you remember Lost in Space? Two? One, two, three. I got three. Man, y'all need to get on YouTube. Google Lost in Space and the robot and Will Robinson. Man, th those kind of shows, in fact, I'm probably the oldest one in the house here. I don't know, but those kind of shows as a kid, it was the first sci-fi uh, uh, series in this family. The, it's like the Swiss family Robinson, but they were space. And they had this robot. Uh, I don't know what his name was. Did he have a name, Aaron? I can't remember. I remember those flex hose arms would come out and his little round head. And he had only thing he would say was, warning, Will Robinson, warning, Will Robinson. Man, and when he said that, you better look out because space aliens were about to show up. He had an insight about what was going on, even in uh, a little kid's mind. I just, oh, man. But I understand something. We've got to understand that the devil is always out there trying to trap us. And, man, there's something on the inside. In fact, how many of you know the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment? It's not only to discern the devil, but discern good and evil. But I'm telling you, it wouldn't hurt to have a good dose of discernment and know Oh, in fact, have you ever been in the process of heading in a direction that you didn't think was necessarily wrong or unhealthy or unholy? And all of a sudden, something on the inside went, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just felt breaks and, and anybody but me. Have, have you ever felt that? Man, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the discernment of God saying, warning, Will Robinson, danger approaching. Uh, and so, man. We've got to understand that there's an enemy out there. And he does, he, how many of you appreciate the mercy and grace of God? 
On the other side of the coin, if you can put the, if you can conceive of an, of a being that is anti-Christ, no mercy, no grace, no care, no concern, absolute despisal of you and your Christian faith and his Every waking moment, which is 24-7, he's trying to figure out a way to trap you. So, that's what we've got to understand as we prepare to, to, to build a lifestyle of putting on the armor of God. Uh, we've got to have a little bit of a revelation of the adversarial, a little adversarial insight, not be ignorant of the devil's devices and not, and, and not be ignorant of his schemings against us. Uh, rule number five, the, 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 the precept number five is the rule of proactive participation. How many of you know spiritual warfare is a, is a group effort? Not just even with us, but with us and God. And so we can't sit idly by and expect God to win all our battles for us. Now, there are times in the Old Testament when God basically said, stand still and see the salvation of God. But how many of you know even that required proactive participation? What was the proactive participation when God said, stand still in the middle of the battle and see the salvation of God? Where did, where did humanity have to participate? They had to obey that be still. Don't run. Don't react. And it's the rule of proactive participation. I see people a lot of time, they sing the same old somebody done me wrong song or I can't get over this and I got this problem and I can't seem to get past the past and all these things. How many of you know any level of deliverance, any level of victory, any level of, of, of breakthrough in your life is going to happen when you begin to participate with God and His Word and will for your life? It's the rule of proactive participation. Let me show it to you. Uh, gosh, just all through here. Uh, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, when you see a therefore, what do you look back? See what the therefore is there for? You've got a spiritual battle going on. Therefore, here's the proactive participation. It's the, it's, it's, you've got to take up. The armor of God. It doesn't just show up in your life every day just because you're so cute. We've got to every day take up. Everybody say take up. It's the rule of pro proactive participation. He said take up. And then we're going to talk about the, the um, oh gosh, where's the belt? Verse 14. Therefore, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. There's the, the, the proactive participation. The next one. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. See, it's a, it's a, it's an active role we take in this process of being prepared to fight the spiritual battles before us, taking up the shield of faith, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You see, victory is a 24 seven, uh, um, uh, effort. And in the spiritual battles that we are, that we are involved with and that are going on around us, understand something. You can't be a weekend warrior. Think about it. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. And let me say this. 
Next Sunday, I'm going to look at the passage of Scripture in 2 Kings 6, where Elisha and his servant uh, are surrounded by the enemy. Because we're talking about walking by faith and not by sight. And God's and, and, and Elisha prays for his servant that the Lord would open his eyes. And he saw all around him. What did he see? Chariots of fire, the army of God all around him. Everybody go, ooh. Now, let me ask a question, and I want you to respond. Do you think that that kind of spiritual atmosphere is still going on today? Absolutely. If our, let me tell you something. If, if God opens some of our eyes to literally see into the spirit realm, most of us couldn't handle it. And in some cases, we'd, we wouldn't see the armies of God because we're not walking in the spirit. We'd see some other kind of powers and principalities and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places that are, that are hovering all around us. Oh, a, a book that if you want to really get into this, uh, it's, it's kind of an old book, Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness. Woo, if you like spiritual novels and whatnot, uh, man, I, it's been years since I read it, but it's a novel, but it's about spiritual warfare. And it just kind of opens your eyes to what's really going on in the spirit realm. And so, hey, uh, we've got to realize something uh, that uh, uh, we've got to take part. We've got to plug in and get involved. Finally, my brethren, listen, it's a spiritual battle. You better get active in the, in the fight. And how many of you know we don't want to go into spiritual warfare with sticks and stones? Right? We've got to be dressed for success. So it's the rule of proactive participation, being involved. Just a side note, Paul the Apostle Second mm, Corinthians, where he said we, uh, he said, uh, uh, we don't, he said run to win, and then he said we don't fight as those beating the air. Uh, he talked about the fact that, hey, uh, it's every, every one of us are in this thing for keeps. And, and those that, if we're not running to win, if we're not fighting the fight, Paul said, I fought a good fight. And you know, if you fight the fight, guess what you're going to do? If you, if you get proactive and begin to understand the spiritual realm going on around you, uh, and you get into the fray with the armor of God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to win. You're going to be victorious. Amen? And so, that's what we're talking about, being victorious. So it's the rule of proactive participation. Number six, it's the rule of overall application. The rule of overall application. Now, here's what this is about. He said, he said this in, 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 in this passage of scripture that I read to you. He said, take the whole armor of God. Everyone say the whole armor. Not just parts and pieces, but the whole armor. In other words, 
you got to apply this air. You got to apply this armor in every area of your life. You can't just pick up one aspect of the armor of God and expect to get what you need uh, and be victorious. You can't just, hey, I got the belt of truth on. Hallelujah. All's fine. No, you better have the shield of faith. You better have the sword of the spirit. You better have the shoes of peace. You better have the helmet of salvation. You better have every aspect of this hitting on. You better be hitting on all eight cylinders. And, and so it's the rule of overall application. You can't pick and choose what you want to do with when it comes to God's word and spiritual warfare. Are you with me? Say amen. Number seven, the final preliminary precepts about uh, taking up the armor of God and, and finding true victory over the powers of darkness. It's the rule of complete commitment. The rule of complete or absolute commitment. Here's where we get that. He says... Uh, having done all to stand, verse 13. He said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. The reason most people get knocked down, knocked out, because they haven't done all. There's issues and areas of their life where they are not completely committed to the call of God and the purpose of God for their life. And so in certain areas, they... We, they fudge or, or, you know, or give in or, or you know, or, 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 or compromise in some area of their life. Paul the Apostle said, listen, having done everything, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I'm kind of convinced that what he was saying, if you don't do everything I'm telling you to do, you're going to think you've got a handle on it, but you're not going to make it. If you don't do everything I'm telling you to do and get completely committed to every aspect of this spiritual warfare, you're going to be in trouble. You're not going to be able to stand. How many of you want to stand in the evil day? In fact, that's what he said. Oh, and by the way, how many of you know we're living in evil days? I'm telling you, I'm just turned, what, 57? 57. Uh, and let me just give you in my in the last 45 years of my understanding about what is sinful and not sinful, when I was a young boy, immorality was taboo. And if there was a young lady, you know, nobody pointed any fingers at the guys, but if there was a young lady who was considered, you know, I can't, I'm not going to use the slang word, but a little loose and, and immoral. She was, here's a biblical word, anathema. Hmm. Am I right? But today, in 45 short years, that's all turned around. And what used to be considered evil and unrighteous and unholy is now the accepted norm. And I'm going to give you a scripture in just a few moments that's going to just show you exactly what's gone on in our culture and a compounding of evil and a compounding of immorality in our world. And it has to do with spiritual warfare. And so there you go. Understand it. Everyone just look over the list. The rule of primary importance, you better get this down. This is ultimately important. Spiritual warfare is real. Number two, supernatural outsourcing. Hey, you got to learn to tap into the strength of God and the power of God and be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Listen, you get in Christ, you're going to be strong. You're going to tap into the power of His might. 
Number three, the rule of proper positioning. I'm fixed in Christ. I'm not in the flesh. I'm in Christ. The rule of adversarial insight. Hey, there's spiritual forces of wickedness all around us. Number five, proactive participation. It's not going to happen while we're sleeping. It's going to happen while we're praying and while we're planning and while we're getting ready every morning and seeking God and putting on the armor of God in our lives. The rule of overall application. Man, get it all. Put it all on. Number seven, completely committed. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Everybody said amen. So with that in mind, let me just jump and quickly, and I'm going to hand out some passages of Scripture. How many of you got your Bible? Here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about the belt of truth. Uh, John 8, 31 and 32. Somebody can read, who can read it for me? John 8, 31 and 32. Help me. Here we go. Are y'all, y'all need prayer today. All right. John 8. Who can do it? You got it? Okay. John 8, 31 and 32. Who can do John 14, 6? Okay. Uh, Michelle got John 14, 6. John 16, 13. Who can do John 16, 13? Okay, Aaron, 16, 13. John 17, 17. Who can do John 17, 17? Okay, Beverly's got it. So here we're going to look at the belt of truth. The first thing he said after he put all this preliminary insight about the spiritual uh, forces of darkness, the first thing he comes up with when it comes to the armor of God, and I'm not going to throw this out as more of a priority over the others, but certainly all of these are priority. And he told us we've got to, uh, uh, you know, take them all. Uh, but he talks about the belt of truth. So let's read these passages of Scripture that have to do with truth and kind of get a handle on what he's talking about when he talks about truth. So if you had a passage of Scripture, what I want you to do is just read it really loud. So here we go. John eight thirty one and 32. Wow. Read it again. This is, I love this passage of scripture. Man, that's a, that's a mouthful right there. If you abide in his what? His word. Now, let me just pause here in a moment because this is what I'm going to show you in just a little bit is a real, this is a very personal application. And later on in the, in the series, they're going to talk about the sword of the spirit. Okay. Which is the word of God. Paul's not being repetitious here in a, in a sense. This is a personal application for your life about the belt of truth. So he said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know. That word know is not here, but it's intimately acquainted. It's almost the same word that in the Old Testament, Adam knew Eve. How many of you know what he's talking about there? He's talking about intimate relationship. If you abide, live, dwell, come on. In my word, you are my disciples indeed, genuine followers and you shall become intimately acquainted with the truth or the word of God. And that relationship you have with the word of God will do what? Set you free. Wow. It's the truth. You'll know the truth. So he's talking about the word of God. Somebody else, the next verse, Michelle.
Jesus is the way. How many of you know the Bible also says he's the word? So here we're talking about Jesus and his word. Next verse. John 16, what is it? John 16, 13. The Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. In other words, man, a, a, a healthy relationship with, the, with Jesus, a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit goes a long way towards being able to embrace and, if you will, gird about your ways uh, with truth. Final verse. There you go. Jesus is praying for his disciples before he leaves. He's praying for us, actually, John 17. It's a prayer for us. It's a great prayer. And he says, sanctify them. That word means to set them apart, to, to really, in, in a very special way, sanctify them. Read it again, Beverly. Wow. Sanctify them by your truth, your word. Here we go. Pardon me is truth. So that's what Paul the Apostle is talking about when he says, put on the belt of truth. He's talking about an intimate relationship with the Word of God in our life. Not something that we just put on our, uh, you know, coffee table or whatever, but a real relationship with God through His Word by way of the Holy Spirit. So just identifying the word truth there. Now the word gird. He says, gird, or, or uh, what does New King James says? He says, yeah, having girded your waist with truth. It means to fasten on one's belt. Uh, now, just obviously, uh, in many cases, if you don't have a belt on, what's the potential? You know, in fact, one preacher friend of mine, he was preaching out of Romans 6, where it says we've all... Uh, we all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He said, most of us have had a real bad case of the fallen shorts. Okay, I thought they'd get a little chuckle out of you there. But the word gird means to fasten on one's belt. Now, just a little added insight. When you study this word in the New Testament, it has a little added meaning that we could throw in. Uh, there's places in Scripture where, it, where it, uh, being gird uh, is a posture of readiness. You know, gird on your, you know, get ready, gird, you know, it's time to go. You know, when it's time to go, you can't be undone. So it, it's a, it means a state of readiness. But also, uh, there's one passage where it says, I think it's when Jesus washed uh, um, Mary's feet. And it says he put it and he gird himself up and began to wash her feet. It's a reference to servitude and humility. So uh, this word gird, uh, gosh, it means being ready and prepared. Uh, uh, to, to follow and serve God if you want to give it a little added uh, spiritual insight. Uh, so we looked at truth, the Word of God, uh, and we are to gird up our lives with this, you know, prepare our life with the, with the Word of truth. And then the last word, he said, gird up your king. Anybody got King James? I think they say loins. It says, gird, uh, put on the, gird up your loins with, with truth. Uh, this, the waist, Interesting insight. Everybody wake up here. It, it, the real Greek here is the hip, the waist, 
And catch this. This is where it becomes very... This is the personal application. And it's so it really impresses me with, with Paul the Apostle and his understanding of humanity. It's the place of procreative power, which basically is our sexuality. Am I right? Hey, that's what the word means. So think about this for a moment with me. Paul the Apostle is finishing up his letter to the Ephesians. And he's coming to the place of primary importance. And he's talking about the spiritual warfare and all the powers of darkness and the, and the battles and the struggles. That word struggle, that wrestling, it's a struggle. How many? Let's be honest. How many of you know sexual temptation is one of the biggest struggles in our culture today? Uh, we are so uh, uh, bombarded with it from all sides. It's... It's more prevalent today than ever before. It's everywhere. The, the struggle. The, and, and here Paul the Apostle, that's why I'm telling you, there's nothing new under the sun. The first thing Paul says after he says we're in a spiritual battle, he said, let me, get, let me tell you where you better begin. You better get the truth of God, that intimate acquaintance with the Word of God, empowered into your life through the quickening of the Spirit, you better get that wrapped all around the place of your procreative power. He hits that head on when he's talking about spiritual warfare, about the powers of darkness, about the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And if we don't, we won't be victorious. How many will be victorious in every area of your life? Because understand something. If we, it, it, you know, wherever our weakness is, understand if we don't get the victory wrapped around that area of our weakness, it's going to affect every other area of our life. How many of you know God is stronger than your biggest weakness? His power. You say, Man, I can't, I can't resist. Well, I can't, I just, temptation, I can't, hey, I understand the power of temptation. But, but catch this. Go back to Proverbs 7. Go all the way to Proverbs 7. We're almost done already. I may read the whole proverb. Again, nothing new under the sun. My son, keep my... Now watch this. What do we talk about the truth here? The Word of God. And about personal application of the Word of God. You see, uh, let me just jump ahead and give you a little delineation. Uh, when he talks about, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How many of you, how, how many of you know the sword of the Spirit is, is an offensive weapon, right? But it's also a protective hedge around our life. And Paul begins... With this issue of spiritual warfare, talking about very personal areas where we've got to get his word wrapped around our hearts and life. So here's Proverbs 7. My son, keep my what? Words. And treasure my what? Commands within you. Now, how many of you know that's intimate relationship? My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and what? Live. 
Let me just pause there and go back to John 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but what did Jesus do? He came that you might have life, have it more abundantly. How does that happen? It happens through the power and the influence of the Word of God in our life. And then he, then he keeps on going. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. We talked about that Sunday. Keep the law uh, just so close to your life that you see yourself like you would see yourself in someone else's eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. Oh, catch verse 5. That they may make you smart and spiritually graced. And everybody thinks you're a real spiritual guy. No. That they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Nothing new under the sun. This is almost the same exact thing as gird up your loins with the belt of truth. And then he goes on to say, and I've got a minute, he gives an illustration, and I'm going to read it a little faster. For at, for at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youth, a young man devoid of understanding. Now, stop right there. Now, he just told his son how not to be devoid of understanding. And it wasn't rocket science, was it? Get a hold of the Word, become intimately acquainted with the Word, apply it in your life, Write it, bind it on your fingers, write it on the tablet, not of, uh, of your notepad or your mini pad. Oh, pardon me, that's terrible. There is one actually, I think. Uh, <laughs> but that sounds bad. Uh, uh, write it wherever you write it, but the first place where you really need to write it is on the tablet of your heart. That's what John was talking about, John 8, 31, 32. Uh, let thy word abide in me. Right? But then he says, I, let me tell you about a guy I saw who didn't do that. I saw a guy, he's a simple man, devoid of understanding, passing along the street near a corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and the dark night. And there was a woman met him with a tire of a harlot and a crafty heart. And she was loud and rebellious and her feet would not stay home. At times she was... She was outside at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. She caught him and kissed him with an impotent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you, and I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not home and has gone on a long journey. He's taking a bag of money with him. He won't be back until an appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. And just like the ox, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path, for she has caught, cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell. 
descending to the chambers of death. And then he just joins in again in verse 8, or chapter 8. Do not, does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the hill. In other words, what's he saying? You've got to have the word and the command of God ruling and reigning in your life. You know what? From this moment on, we know that we don't have to be like this guy. Because he did not know it would cost him his life. Let me tell you something. An ungoverned life, an undisciplined life spiritually when it comes to the Word of God, is a defeated life. Without the personal application of the truth in our life, we're defeated before, with, before, with no one firing a shot. And so, here's the pathway to true victory. And it begins in a very personal application of all of our lives. Now, I'm going to close with Romans 1. Turn back to Romans 1. Let me see where I want to begin. Okay, here we go, verse 18. Paul has just finished saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he hits that famous uh, passage, verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. The just. Now, what is the just? Those have been justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. How many of you appreciate justification? <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you're justified by faith. By, by fa and, and that's a gift of God. He, he justifies us just as if we'd never sinned. But look in verse 18. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't pull punches. He doesn't back away. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, and unrighteousness of men who catch this, because we're talking about the belt of truth, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I want to tell you something that some, some churches and, and religious veins or, or, or tribes of, you know, different, I want, careful not to be too critical, but they suppress the, the black and white of the truth of God. If you abide in His Word, you'll know the truth and truth will set you free. But if you don't abide in His Word, you're going to be undermined by the devil and by the flesh and be defeated. He said there is a, there is a influence in the world of those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And it goes on to say, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it uh, to them. And for since the creation of the world, catch this, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, you ever heard the passage, somebody said, well, what about the heathen in Africa who have never heard the gospel? Well, there's the answer right there. God make Himself known in the middle of creation, and everybody's without excuse. In other words, He'll show Himself 
to all humanity. Not that we shouldn't evangelize. But he goes on to say about these people, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their hearts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And catch this, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In other words, they became idolatrous. Therefore, God has also gave, gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. What were we talking about? Sexual sin. Who exchanged... Here's what they did. This is how immor immorality has invaded our culture and the whole world rampantly. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. In other words, their own bodies became their gods. And we learned that in Gods at War, did we not? And so, they traded in the truth for the lie. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. And let me just say, how many of you know the homosexual agenda is one of the strongest uh, forces? In, in, in fact, I just read on Drudge Report, uh, Michelle Obama was somewhere... And, and, and some lesbian woman just hammered her from, from the crowd. And you know, I kind of appreciated Michelle. You know what she did? She had all she could stand and she can't stand no more. I've never heard of, of a president's wife or a president doing this. She broke all protocol, got down off the podium, walked right up in that lady's face and says, listen, if you want to talk, I'll give you the mic. If you're not going to talk, listen, I'll leave if you want to talk. She, she, Shut her down. I thought it was pretty cool, actually. So, regardless of my politics, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but what do we find? That's that. Where did how'd that happen? People let the they exchange the truth for the lie, and they worship, serve the creature rather than the Creator. So, therefore, God gave them over to vile passions. So, anyway, tonight the spiritual battle that we have before us is multifaceted, therefore requiring many different aspects of the armor of God. The powers of darkness are alive and well. We have the capacity to be victorious over all the principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness. And as I quoted a few moments ago from, I think, 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Nothing too hard for God. Amen? Let's stand together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Now, tonight, you may be pondering. I gave you a, I gave you a bunch, kind of a shotgun blast. But it all melts down to this first beginning personal application. And I don't think any of us are exempt 
from the recognition and the reality that the place of our procreative power needs to live under the submission and governance of the Word of God to prepare us for battle. Lord, today we just ask you to teach us how to gird our loins up with the truth of God's Word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I'm going to give you some things real quickly that I didn't have. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you a shotgun blast, then I'll let you go. I didn't really have time to get in depth to it, but when you study the truth of God's Word, Ephesians 1.13 says, you hear the Word of truth and have a chance to believe. So if you want to gird your loins with truth, you've got to open your ears to hear. Then you've got to believe. Number two, Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. You've got to study the truth. Everyone say, obey the truth. Everyone say, believe the truth. Everyone say, study the truth. And then Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, we purify ourselves through obedience to the truth. Everyone say, obey the truth. That's applied in our life. Second John 1, 4, he talks about walking in the truth, walking it out. That's what I, t- remember what I told you Sunday? I said, listen, you gotta, you gotta seal the deal. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get it down to where when you walk out these doors, you're walking in this present truth. That's what Peter was talking about. And then, hey, the evidence, first John chapter three, verse 18, the evidence that they're walking in the truth. It's how much we love God and love one another. So, hey, study all these. There's so many. There, you say, well, how do I gird up my... Hey, it's just getting the Word of God, obeying it, studying it, embracing it, abiding in it, living in it. And I'm going to tell you, that Word of God will undergird you and gird you up in every area of your life uh, and, and give you new levels of victory and freedom that you've never experienced before. Amen? Everybody said amen. Turn around and love somebody.